say happy new year for a while that lasts a few weeks to a month uh so yeah as i'm recording this it is literally christmas night uh this is going out in hours from now uh as everybody knows holidays are busy time and uh you know i'm a procrastinator put it off to the last minute so here i am this will go out for takeover tuesday sitting down on christmas night and uh talking to you guys. So happy new year. Happy new year when that's, you know, that's coming up this weekend. Happy holidays. Hope everybody had a great holiday. Great Christmas. Um, thank you to everybody for all the, you know, Merry Christmases and happy holidays messages I received. Uh, Danny speakers dropped off a gorgeous cutting board. Um, I was describing it to my friends, um, and my family this weekend and, or today actually and i was like they're like is it like the one that you got from your other friend who's ara and i was like it's like that it's like, yeah it's really nice uh it's got the i mean this is audio only so it's tough to uh <laughs> tough to show you but uh, i'll probably have i'll have it here it's sitting right here with me right now but um i'll have it next week in the live show but um, it's got the Brightside Home Theater logo on it. It's a beautiful cutting board, so it'll never get anything cut on it. But that's, I mean, it's too too good looking. So thank you, Danny Speakers, for that, uh, dropping it off at the house. I got a message from him. Uh, There's a bag on your mailbox. <laughs> so um, thank you very much. And he also sent out uh, three ornaments as well, all with the logo on it. Oh, beautiful work. Thanks, Danny Speakers. And thank you to everybody for all the messages and, and uh, over the holidays. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a busy month. I've got a lot, a lot to get to here. Uh, we got a bunch of comments from obviously YouTube and a whole bunch of emails I'm scrolling through here. So, uh, let's get started for this, uh, December edition of, uh, listeners taking over, take over Tuesday. So. Um, let's see. Our first one, we'll, we'll start right here at the beginning of December, the beginning of the month. Uh, Mark says, uh, hi, DJ. I really enjoyed your 24 hour home theater podcast as well as the rest of them. I've been a home theater enthusiast date for years, dating back to 1993. I'm a local guy as well, living in, um, Massachusetts. Can't wait to see photos of your new home theater build and house build. You're inspiring the young audience to get involved with this hobby. Great job. Cheers, Mark. So thank you, Mark. Uh, yeah, it, it's funny. Um, people say that, like that I'm inspiring people or how do we inspire people to get into home theater? And it's an interesting thing to me that yes, on one hand, you can inspire somebody to do it. It's more like you don't, but I look at it this way. I don't think we inspire people to do it. We show them that it's there and then they take it from there. Um, when we started in home theater, nobody inspired me 
to do home theater per se. It was, it really wasn't a thing. And, or if it was a thing, and that's what I find interesting is the more I learn is it did exist to a degree, but we didn't know about it. So then we started doing it. And like, and when I say we started doing it, I can always throw, fall back on John. We kind of started together. And in a way, this would be a fun discussion for John and I to have. We kind of both started on our own and then we'd have the discussion and say, Oh, you're doing that too. All right. And then here we are. Right. It's, it, it it's a funny thing because it's like you, the passion and what it takes to be into home theater to the degree that if you're listening to me right now, it's, it's so ingrained in you that it doesn't take me, somebody can't inspire somebody to be who I say we are as in the listening audience, myself, any, you know, nobody can be who we are. You can't tell somebody, hey, try doing this because we, we all did it on our own. Now, it depends on how you did it on your own. It, it might mean like you had an idea and you, you hired somebody to execute said idea or you did it yourself and you were like, Oh, let me try doing it this way. And you did it. But you know what I mean? So it's like, you can't, it's like, it's not like somebody goes, Oh, okay. Um, sure. That sounds like a fun idea. It, it's, it's so much more involved. Um, my son, as an example, grew up around it, loves it, has one. I mean, with our house, he's had one his whole life. But he, I wouldn't say he's as into it as my son-in-law is, who literally grew up in it. And it, you'll the comments in, that he made during the Die Hard episode that we recorded that came out yesterday morning, Christmas Eve day, you hear him saying there, like, he didn't grow up around stuff like this. He didn't grow up with movies. He didn't, his family wasn't into that, but yet he is. So in, and it wasn't me that inspired him. He had been wanting to do this anyway. He was starting to build a home theater system in his dorm room, turned it into a project when, when he and my daughter first met. And then my daughter was like, Oh my God, you're like my dad. Right. So it was like, so there's so much more that like we, you can't encourage somebody to get into what we do or how we are. And it is a mentality it is a way of life. It is a way of thinking. Um, it's more of we are already there. And I think people like us podcasters, we're, we're create, we're bringing us all together. If, if we're doing anything is we're showing each other, each other, you know, you can, if John was here, we'd be laughing about some kind of a, uh, double entendre there. We're showing each other, each other, but, um, but you know what I mean? Like I'm bring, it's all I'm doing is bringing everybody. Oh my God, you're into this too. You're into this too. And we talk about it, but to inspire people to do this is very, it, it, it's an interesting conversation to me. Um, because I don't feel it's so deeply involved that it's hard to inspire people. You're already doing it, especially if you're listening to this show. It's like, it's not like you stumble across a home theater podcast and go, Hey, what's this thing? All right. Yeah. I'll go knee deep into my bank account and try doing all this 
funky stuff with my with a spare bedroom I have. Sure, I just heard it in a podcast one day. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> it's like, uh, honey, I'm going to commandeer the basement or I'm going to take over the garage in Steve's case. It's like, uh, what, why are we doing this? I heard this guy on a podcast. Sounds like fun. <laughs> He's inspired me. So it, it is a fun conversation, though. Um, all right, moving on. That was a very short email, and that one took how long for me to talk about? This, this is the, it's the magic of me. <laughs> um, it's, it's a quick little segue from that, cause that is the magic of me. We're driving home. We're at my brother's today for Christmas dinner. <laughs> we got there at one o'clock. We left there at four o'clock. And my brother is like, I said to my wife, I go, yeah, I go, see me. I go, that's me. I'm like, I, 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 I my brother got tired of me talking. In three hours. <laughs> it's just like, I, I can wear people out. At least you guys can hit pause and come back later. <laughs> so thank you. I That's how much I appreciate everybody listening. <laughs> it's like, cause not everybody does. All right, moving on. Uh, G. Cornell talking about Sisu. He says, worth mentioning, an early scene in the movie, we see him kneeling on the ground using a digging tool. Overhead, we see and hear planes flying in his direction. What was fun is I heard a plane flying toward him with the sound coming from the right side of my room above about five feet forward of the screen before the plane comes into view and flies past him with sound also moving forward toward the screen where the plane come becomes visible. And then as the plane flies past him, the sound continues the same path and travels beyond the screen off into the distance. Did you experience this as well when you watched it in your home theater? If not, run it again and smile if you do. <laughs> I like how I get in explicit instructions on what to do when I enjoy something. Um, <laughs> thanks, G. Cornell. Uh, the above experience was in my 5.1 home theater, no height speakers with a pre-pro from 2014 in Dolby True HD mode. To anyone contemplating an HT, the thing to keep in mind an immersive experience with good elevated presence is possible if care is taken treating the room. Overhead speakers, while nice, while nice to have, aren't necessary for a wonderful immersive experience. And, uh, G Cornell and I have talked about this in the past. I've said it on the show. Um, yes, it's speakers, more speakers doesn't mean better experience. Um, the reason we do more speakers is so that more people can experience equally. And, and that's it. And I, I've said it on the show. I've experienced an amazing Dolby Atmos full height surround experience back in the nineties in a two channel setup. And it was actually disguised. It's funny, Tom on uh, AV rant a couple of months ago said, like when they were asking about their dream theater, he basically described what he would like to do in a theater. And it's, and him and I have talked about it on the show as well. And we've both experienced it in real life where they set up a whole system, but then it looks like you're, you're doing at the time, it looked like a five one system. And it was, then they show you afterwards, they put the lights on behind the speaker boxes and it's just two speakers inside the front boxes and that's it. 
And that's what his dream theater was going to be like. I put on all these speakers and both like, and everybody be like, wow, that was absolutely amazing. And he'd be like, nope, this is all you heard. And you just have like this basic run of the mill speaker system just set up and calibrated right with the right room treatments and. Yes, you can. You're a hundred percent right, G Cornell. I know you know that, but yes, it's great advice for people. Um, more speakers does not mean better. And a lot of times people use more speakers without the knowledge of what and how to place them. And they're actually a detriment to their system. And that's a lot of what Tom and Rob try to say is like, just, just cause you have them doesn't mean you have to use them <laughs> or you don't doesn't mean it's going to be better. It doesn't mean anything. It's like you you can actually, you know, you get to a point where depending on the room, you can actually add, you get to a point where you're adding speakers and it's now you're, instead of peeking out, you're, you're coming down on the backside. You're, de- you're, you're deteriorating the audio as you add more speakers because it's ruining what the other speakers are trying to do. So it's a very complicated system and and a lot of people want to keep adding speakers when really they should be adding room treatments and they haven't added any yet and it's like, they're like oh i can add these speakers and i can add these speakers it's like whoa 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 add room treatments and then you'll see you probably don't even need those speakers so great advice great scene yes i do remember that scene g cornell i remember him kneeling down i remember the planes coming overhead um all that it's a it's a great opening to that movie really as a home theater fan gets you on the edge of your seat for the rest of the movie um for the home theater experience uh great bass too in that the rumble of those planes coming from overhead too so all right uh next up we have a, an email from my buddy reggie Reggie, uh, I hadn't heard from him in a while, but he calls me Mr. Briggs. So <laughs> in this email, he says, dear Mr. Briggs, uh, I don't know, maybe he meant you sending this to my dad. Uh, dear Mr. Briggs, I've been listening to your son's takeover Tuesday. No, I'm just kidding. It says to your takeover Tuesdays with great joy, especially, especially when you do letters to the editor. So apparently I have to start, I love that. I never thought of it. Um, I guess I'm the editor. I don't really edit anything, as you could tell by my voice, and I just keep on talking. I probably should edit a little better. Um, but anyways, I digress all the time. Uh, he, he goes on to say, many great subjects were brought up on this last week, and I'd like to address some of those subjects if you don't mind. Not at all, Reggie. Let's go. He says, I hear a lot of people mentioning that this product sounds good. That product sounds good. But sometimes we have to look deeper if a speaker has a good crossover system and it's tuned well. In other words, to give a flat, in other words, to give a flat response. It probably has some shortcomings other than just the way the crossover was designed. And that may be the fact Maybe the fact that the parts quality may be lacking, that the parts quality in the speaker is, oh, and the parts quality in the speaker is quite important. You just can't throw any old parts inside the crossover. What makes a big difference between a high-end speaker and a run-of-the-mill hi-fi speaker is usually the parts quality, not the frequency, frequency response you can get at any part 
to have flat or near flat frequency response, but the quality in which the signal has to pass through or the quality of the components that the signal must pass through to get through, get through the driver can be like night and day. A good portion of today's speaker manufacturers, in order to hit a certain price target, must sacrifice something, and that usually is in the quality of the parts that they use in their cross openers, poor quality, assistors, inductors, and capacitors, etc. When you use poor quality parts, you sacrifice the sound quality you hear in the driver. Other words, in other words, things like group Delay can cause the sound stage of the speaker to collapse, and that's not good. So one must be aware of all these factors when you consider purchasing a speaker. Well, anyway, just something to think about, DJ. Have a nice day, Reggie. And he's right. It, and it, what I loved about this is we in home theater, we spend a lot of time analyzing our amplification, analyzing our processing from our receivers or our pre-pros. We look at the cables that we're looking at. But to be fair, we're also inundated with marketing for all those things, right? That's where those companies make the money. They can make money selling us a cable because look at it. It's a fantastic cable. It does this and blah, 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 blah. And that's why you have to pay the money. But one of the things, I mean, home theater is one of those hobbies where you're only as strong as your weakest link. And in, in, so when you start with, you know, your processor or you start with your source, are we going to talk streaming? Are we talking disc? Are we talking? And now if we're going to go to streaming, which streaming box are you using? Right. And to get the best quality that you're looking for or ease of use. There's stuff like that. But if we're talking picture and sound quality, now it's like if you're, if you're talking physical disc, which player are we dealing with? So there are multiple levels before you even get to the system itself. Now we're just talking the source. And then at the time, are we, which disc are we talking a Sony disc that's on a hundred gigabyte disc? Are we talking a 66 gigabyte disc? What is the quality of the source that you're getting? Okay, that's the first, that is the very first link in your chain. And then we're talking, now we have to get that to go from there to a, you know, uh, a receiver or a pre-pro. How strong is that link? That's a link. That cable, getting it to go from the, the source being your, you know, your Blu-ray player or your, your media player being an Apple TV, a Roku or a Fire Stick. So how do I get that into the receiver? How strong is the, re- that's a link, right? The receiver is now a link. Now the cable going from that to your display is a link. Your display is a link. All your speakers are a link. What Reggie's outlining here is everything inside of your speaker is also a link. And those links in there are so important to the quality of the sound. But, and Reggie and I have discussed this. Reggie's been on my show a couple of times already on Takeover Tuesday. And he's an audiophile, loves, loves his audio. And he loves to hear the differences in all of these things. And, and you hear the difference in the quality of, of a component, right? But, 
it takes time for you to learn that and to learn you you need to train your ear you need to train yourself you need to hear so much material good and bad so you know the difference and then on top of that you need to hear not just the material think of all those links in the chain how many years is it if you just concentrated on one of those links how long do you think it would take you to learn what's good and bad on on that one link now put all those links together and it's like, okay, what if I put a bad link back here or I put a bad HDMI cable in and I'm not saying bad, just not as good as a good one. There's so many variables in this entire thing. How long does it take to get to the point where Reggie's at where he can, he can hear the difference, the quality inside of a speaker and what components go in there and why that means so much more. A lot of people will tell you there's no difference. And to them, they're not wrong because they can't hear it. Doesn't mean there is never a difference. It doesn't mean a difference isn't possible and it doesn't exist. But in their world, there's no difference. And that's fine. But in Reggie's world, he's trained his ears so well that he can hear the difference. And it's having since ha I never like I never understood audiophiles. I never stood understood not the people. I never understood the term. I'm like I never thought of myself as any of these things, right? I never said like, oh, I'm an audiophile, or I I know I just do the hobby. I did my thing, and I was like a, a lot of us. We're at our own homes. We're doing our thing. I I never classified myself as anything. And then me starting the podcast and meeting these people. I guess I fall into these things because when I talk to these people, I understand what they're saying. I can hear and see differences. And I, but I also know, I remember when I had no idea what I was listening to or seeing. You just didn't know. And also back when I started, it was so bad. There was, I mean, it, it's not like it is today. So it, it, it takes so much time. But if you do want to get into this stuff and you want to, you know, experience it. One, you can't do it overnight, but enjoy the ride. Enjoy the, you know, hearing those differences. And if you don't hear a difference, don't worry. Doesn't mean it's not there. It's just you haven't been trained to hear that yet. You haven't been trained to understand that yet. And there's a, like, I've played hockey pretty much my whole life. There's guys way, way better than me. And there's guys that are, you know, not very good at all. And that I play with, and I'm kind of in the middle. I'm closer to, I've coached so long. I'm closer to the higher end. I understand it. I'm not as good. I'm not pro level, but I know what they see and what they feel and what they hear. Okay. And it's hard to understand the people down below. They don't understand. Like you can't feel that. Yeah, you can. You can feel that puck on your stick and you can feel what edge of that puck is on your stick. Not only that, the goalie knows where you're going to shoot it before you know where you're going to shoot it to a lower player because they're trained to see and they know that when you twitch your shoulder like this, that the shot's going to go high left. Really? How do they know that? Because that's how the body moves and that's what they're trained to know. So there's so much more in a world when you really want to focus on it, like Reggie has here and audiophiles do, they'll focus on these things. It, and that, it doesn't, doesn't mean you have to, but when people out there will tell you, Oh, that's all BS. It doesn't mean it's stupid marketing. It is because you don't need it, 
but it is there. And if you want to enjoy it, well, that's the higher end. And there's a cost because there aren't a lot of people like Reggie. There aren't a lot of people like us that like home theater. That's why things, as you get up into it, they cost more because it's a, it's a small market to begin with. And then the higher end you go, the smaller it gets. So to justify the, the sales of like, you got to say they sell a hundred thousand of their entry level, but they're like, say a receiver, they sell a hundred thousand of those, but their high end stuff, they only sell 10,000. Well, we still got to make the money on that. So it's going to be priced accordingly. Right. So there you go. It, it, but it doesn't mean it's there. Don't let anybody tell you that it doesn't, it's not there. There is snake oil stuff, but not the stuff we're talking here. Components do mean something. Quality of a component does mean something. Um, but it is very, very small when you get into the higher end. And Reggie knows that too. And, and it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you, I just don't like to hear people say, ah, da, 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 it's not there. It doesn't matter. You know, um, I have heard people talk about stuff that literally isn't there, but that's just snake oil and poor marketing. So, all right, we've got many more to do. Here we go. Happy Christmas night. All right. Uh, this next one, uh, from, from Jay, uh, let's see, Van Gool. So he says, hello, DJ Van Gool here. I want to say why I like your podcast. You have a home theater in your basement. John has a short throw projector in his living room. I, I have to laugh every time I hear that. Um, because I, I know a lot of people do, but not a lot of people go to 123 inches. Uh, and Steve has an OLED in his theater room. Everyone has a different setup and will experience the same movie differently. No two theaters are the same because of the room and the gear. I am a patron member because I relate to you to you three and enjoy each other's opinions on movies. I have bought movies I might not have because of Brightside. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Van Gool. Um, I will also add in here note where he wrote two, no two theaters are the same because of the room and the gear. I would say even more importantly than the room and the gear, it's no two rooms are the same because no two people are the same. Um, two people would experience the same room differently. You know, like I could come into anybody's theater and I'd be like, I would do this differently. I would do this differently. And I would do this differently. And I heard this differently. And I saw this differently. And it doesn't mean I'm, they're wrong. It doesn't mean I am right or wrong. Right. It's just our perception of things is so much different. Um, individually, we have a lot of commonalities. We all love home theater, for instance, but then we all have our differences. Some people like to run. Like, I thought it was interesting um, when I talked to Giles uh, a few, like a month or so ago. It was right after Oppenheimer came out. And we laughed about it. But he's like, oh, man, the bass was just way too strong in that movie. And I'm like, well, and I said to him, like, do you run your subs hot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like to run my subs hot. Well, that's why. <laughs> so like a movie is running, it's going to put it out, put something out really strong. And now you're already amplifying so that all of your movies would sound like that anyways. But now you get to a movie that actually amplified, you're over amplifying what's already amplified in the source. 
this is where you get into like your strongest, your weakest link. And I'm not saying he's right. I'm not saying he's wrong here. I'm just saying it's like, okay, now if you're running him hot, is it the source has too much base in it? Or is, and he even said when we were laughing about it, he's like, all right, yeah, maybe I was running him too hot. But I see that on Twitter all the time. I see that on social media all the time. And people are like, oh, this has got too much or this doesn't do this. Or I like, and we're like, well, what are you watching on? Blah, blah, blah. And I love running. I should be able to do that. Yeah, you can. It's, you know, but then to say something has too much of something, but you're already boosting it, that's tough. But that, but do you see what I mean? It's like, and that's what's interesting about John, Steve, and I. We all see movies differently. We all have, we all have a home theater, but all our home theaters are different. Um, and I couldn't, I literally couldn't have planned the history of this podcast if I tried. I really couldn't. It was just a, a, you know, a labor of love, of, of passion, of just keep it going. And John and I had started out with this in mind, but it, it, we, at the beginning, obviously we lent towards comics. That's why we did that. And then I came doing this on my own because that's how much I wanted to do it. And then, I mean, that's the hit. Look at where we are today, but it comes from just like anybody sitting down and listening to me into this show week after week, two hours twice a week, your your friends think you're crazy for doing that. People think I'm crazy for doing this. You know, my friends think I'm crazy for doing this. But that's that's that passion. That's the passion for this. And we're all different. And that and that's to me is like how John and I came up with Brightside. Like, let's start talking about the good stuff. Let's start talking about movies. Let's start talking. We don't have to agree, but let's show that it's okay to have, because I think when like a bad movie comes out and we would joke about like Green Lantern or something like that, when that came out with Ryan Reynolds or any of these movies and yeah, they're not great, but they're not, they don't all have to be perfect and awesome, but you can have fun with it and it's okay to like stuff. So that's where, that's where we kind of came up with it. And that's where we are. And it's, and it's, it's so much fun talking to you guys about it. And then it's obviously, it's a blast to get the replies, to get the response, to have a show dedicated to elite every week to you guys, the listeners, and to get this many comments. And people are like, I love it because of this. And it's like, it's so cool because that's what we started out to do. <laughs> and now it's, it, it's just weird that like, Oh wow, people like, people like us. People like the idea and, and it's great. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Van Gogh. Really appreciate that. And to everybody, all the people have said the same thing. Love it. So thank you very much. Um, let's see where we go. Uh, let's see. It's, uh, this is Steve at, uh, hey DJ, just a recurring thought. Uh, and we talked about this on the show too, and I am trying, but here we go. I'll read it again here. He's like, I know one of the listeners commented a couple months ago about having you guys give an overview of your HT setups and you intended to have that alternate each week as part of the podcast. I recall it happening a couple of times, but not sure if it's consistent and it does suck up time for us quote, regular listeners, end quote, we probably like the time dedicated to re- to the reviews. I think I might have written on a previous, uh, on this previously, but I'll try again. Uh, 
How about just putting the summary of the equipment on the brightsidehd.com website? I know there are video summaries for the three of you, but they are all a few years old now and that they don't represent today's reality, like your K-scape. He said, this way you can include the link in the YouTube episode summary. And if you want, for podcast-only listeners, just refer to the link prominently placed on the homepage, perhaps quickly as part of the weekly intro slash welcome. Hope the new home build is progressing, especially with winter setting in regards Steve at. Um, and it is, it, I'm telling it, I'm getting to it. I did a show. I, I, I described mine and my idea is to now take that piece, cut it and turn it into its own YouTube video that we can link like that. Now we have to do one with Steve and with John and we'll do that and it'll be on our YouTube page, but then there will be a link in every show that is an idea. Um, it's just, and I hate, I hate doing this. I don't, I'm not a fan. It's like you guys come here to to listen to home theater stuff, to get away from whatever is going on and to laugh, have fun and talk about, and I say laugh, like I'm not a comedian, but you can laugh at me. I don't care. Um, I'm so desperate for friends. I just let you laugh at me. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? We're here for a good time and to have fun and stuff. So I, I don't, like talking about what I have going on. And so, but it is over, it is very overwhelming. I will say that. I don't want to get into a lot of it. And it takes a ton of my time and my resources. So, and when I say resources, I mean mentally. Um, I had one of my best friends years ago was in, had to go back to school for work and he had to get his master's degree. And he asked me, he asked me, he had just started out, he was six months into it. And he had a chance and he knew he was into it for like two years of going back to school plus working full time. He had kids, blah, 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 his whole life. Right. And he's like, if I take six classes this semester, I'll do this, this and this. And he had just taken a semester of three classes and it and his wife sitting behind him with her eyes like wide open, like, no, because it, it's stressful. And he goes, but this class is easy and it doesn't take anything. And I said to him, I go, I don't recommend it. You're not at the home stretch. You're at the beginning. You could burn yourself out. And he goes, but it's going to be easy. It's going to be this. And I said, it doesn't matter. You could enjoy it, but it's that mental energy. You, you literally need time to sit down and do nothing. And you need, we all do. We have, we all have a bandwidth inside ourselves that we're capable of handling stuff. And if you go too far, and I, I've experienced it myself and multiple times in my life too. You go too far, you'll literally just shut down and you're like, that's it. I'm done. I got to just sit down. I can't, I can't move. I can't, I don't want to do anything. I want to think. And, and what's going on now, it, it gets to that. So I cannot wait for you guys to see what happens when this home theater, this house is done and what I can, what I can do. And what I want to do. So the, my energies are, um, my energies for this are, are, uh, I don't know what they are because I haven't reached it yet. Um, but, but yes, so we are going to do that. I do have mine. I just have to edit it and I have to get the time to do it. So, um, don't feel like you're bugging me with it. Please keep hitting me up with the ideas, the comments, even if it's the same one like Steve just did there. And he's like, I think I said this before. That's great. Um, tell me again. I'm not mad. I love the feedback. I love the responses. Um, it's, it, it, 
you guys have passion. I have passion. Just keep hitting me with it. I don't care. And it's like, because that, that's what it's all about. Right. Um, you'll never hear me say, stop talking to me. Cause, uh, when I say that, what are you guys going to do? Oh, well, you stop talking to me. And then you just shut me off. I'll never say that because I, I appreciate everybody coming in. Uh, I'm long winded, but I'm also like, I'm very passionate and you guys are too. And I, th- I think that's why, I think that's why we get along. Well, that, and there's a camera between us. If you had to live with me, you'd hate me. Um, let's see. Next one. Uh, <laughs> uh let's see. Oh, G Cornell again, talking about Giles. He says, heard you talking about physical media and associated gear, making sure I have a good player going forward. Why I picked up the Panasonic UB 9000 to use in addition to my aging Oppo. The Panasonic offers two channel analog outputs. Good for when I put on my audiophile hat and slip into my robe with pipe. <laughs> It takes me back to the Playboy Mansion and chilling with hell. <laughs> okay, G Cornell. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah, I think, I actually think in my new theater, I might go with, I might track down and buy another, buy an Oppo. I might, I might. Um, and here's why. The Panasonic UB9000 is really nice. The A20 is really nice. But now that I have a video processor in line, I don't need the the onboard processing that the Panasonics offer, the Oppos are a fantastic player. And to me, I think they're worth the price. And for one other reason, it's they have the IR repeater in the back. Uh, Panasonics do not. So you have to run the little IR repeater to the front. Now, I don't know what I'm going to have for a remote system in the new theater, so that might be moot. But I also do love the Oppos. And it would be nice. I sold mine to get the Zipidi. So now if I bought another one, I mean, it's a push because they're, they're still the same price of what I sold mine for. So, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, th- those are good. Um, the Oppos are good. Dependent, and I, I've, the new ones that came out, I forget the name, not Magnavox, but Magnetar or whatever they are. The same company is, um, that, uh, that Zipidi just died from. So those ones are really nice too. So uh, I'm a little ways away from that, but uh, at least a couple months, a few months from buying one. So, but I'm looking forward to it. And I, but I do like the Oppo as a legacy piece because I did have one. I've, I've had two Oppos. I had the original and then I had the 4k player. I, Oppo actually sent me, I didn't have a podcast. I was just a, a fan and I wrote them when they were coming out with the 4k and they sent me one of the, one of the first ones before they were released. So that was pretty cool. I love that player, but Jim told me, he said, get a Panasonic, get this call, texted me one morning, buy this. So I bought it. And then I called him and said, what did I just buy? Uh, and it was because of the processing. And that was back obviously before I had a Lumigen. So, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Next one, uh, we have Brandon says, Hey DJ, li- started listening at some point while you were podcasting your favorite scenes of movies all by yourself. One scene I enjoyed recently was Bruce Willis in Unbreakable when he was drowning in the pool. I thought the water sounds around the room, 524 setup, were pretty immersive. Ba-dum-ching. I see what he did there. Uh, anyways, get it drowning in the pool for those of you paying attention at home. 
or not paying attention. Anyways, enjoy. And he wrote anyways, I'm moving on. Anyways, enjoy both shows. And it's fun on Tuesdays to hear from technical people in the field, as well as everyday people describing their setups. Sounds like you're busy, but hope you can keep up the podcast. If you want to give away to your listeners, I have an unopened 4K disc of Elf. I'm willing to ship anywhere in the US. You should also see a a donation coming shortly. Merry Christmas. Uh, I read this one on the show. I'm not sure anybody claimed Elf, uh, to be honest with you. So if you, I think that might still be out there, but I did read this one on the show because he, he made a fantastic donation this month. Thank you, Brandon. Um, but yes, I, I will keep up the podcast, uh, as long as this is possible. And I don't see, I don't foresee anything that would stop me from podcasting. Um, uh, because I've streamlined it where my prep is less and less for it. Um, so that, that has helped uh, what I've learned over the years. So I should be able to keep doing the podcast because that's, that is what I want to do. It is, I do relax. I do sit and even just coming down here like this and talking to you guys. I, I love doing this. So, um, but yes, I do remember that scene in Unbreakable too. I haven't seen Unbreakable in a, in a few years. Um, but yes, that, pool scene was really nice it's like it sounds like the water is all like like all around you it's a really really good scene so um yeah thank you brandon thank you very much um and that's fun you have been listening to back to when i was all by myself uh yeah let's see steve good show um Steve again says, great show, talking about the uh, Takeover Tuesday with Giles. Got me through a trail run and gym workout. You guys have a great rapport. I've been following Giles for over a year after I was looking for reviews on Stark Sound. As I was interested in their Fiera uh, 8 amp, which I did buy to power the surrounds and height channels. Giles is a Stark fanboy and and was a big help making the decision to purchase. And in enough Stargate, you guys got me. I finally threw it on the system. I cannot recall ever seeing this, though I have I have had the DVD forever and have the Blu-ray on loan from a buddy. Fun movie and HD experience was surprisingly good, upmixed in oral 3D. Interesting that the DVD was so much louder, 5 dB, from where I watched the Blu-ray. Yeah, from where... I may try... Uh, the DVD again after I swapped my Sony X700M for the Panty 820. Still sitting in a box. <laughs> Saving it as my holiday present to myself. Tweak. Regards, Steve at. Uh, yeah. I, you know what that could be too? I thought of this when this, when this email came in. I'm wondering if the Blu-ray, the DVD might uh, come through 5 dB louder because, and I'm just spitballing, but this is where THX came in. Um, and THX was, you took, you had a THX source, THX receiver, uh, then you're supposed to have THX speakers, blah, blah, blah. But if you just had those two, a THX source, meaning a, a THX certified disc, and then a THX receiver, which, cause now you, that would, Ampli- your amplifiers would be now THX certified too because it's all in one. The idea was they were just doing the uh, they were doing the the same audio mix that was for theaters, so it wasn't down mixed for a smaller environment. 
and it was too loud and in in smaller rooms but what THX was doing is they were okay now this disc is certified THX and now pair that with a THX certified receiver and it would do the down mixing for you meaning like lower the volumes in certain places to make it match what it would be like in a large theater but now you're doing it in a small room that all, that entire idea has now become obsolete because they now down mix our Blu-rays. And I don't, and when I'm saying that, I don't, I don't want anybody to misinterpret the, the term down mix. They're not lowering it. They're not making it worse. But what they're doing is that they're not sending like the full volume sound signal that you would get in a large auditorium. Paul and I talked about this back when we were talking about reference volume and stuff, but that's what THX was for is because there was really no difference between the, the audio mix and the home mix back in the eighties and the nineties, because there really wasn't a need for it. There wasn't a lot of people doing this, but then when that became more prevalent, THX came in and they were like, let's get this corrected. So we have a little bit more, um, uh, closer of an experience at home. And now they've since done that with everything anyways, and they do an actual separate, this is, here's the, 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 the physical media mix for it. And so that's why the DVD probably sounded louder. Everything was running really hot compared to what the Blu-ray would be, which doesn't have that. And, and that's the, and that's why like in it, like that DVD, if it's not THX certified, if you're not running, it's just a regular DVD. It might have just had that regular mix and there's no compensation for a smaller room in the mix like they do today. So, um, so much has gone on throughout history, throughout the history of home theater that when you try to compare things and that's why when people are like, Oh, the audio was so much better back then. Was it though? Really? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, so, and, and I could debate if you want to debate me, come on the show. We'll do a takeover Tuesday. Or if you want to agree with me, come on the show. We'll do a takeover Tuesday. All you got to do is email me and, uh, you don't even have to tell me what we're going to talk about. We'll just come on and then you can go, I got a bone to pick with you. Oh, goody. This ought to be fun. Uh, G Cornell in my 5.1 HT with floor standards at one hour, 10 minutes. What are we talking? Oh, Indiana Jones and the Dial Destiny. I, I couldn't find the uh, t- uh subject. Uh At one hour, 10 minutes, 50 seconds, the Sea Stallion helicopter sounds start at the front of the room, hearing it come from my ceiling as tra- as it travels along the left side of the room to the back, following the path of the chopper. Perfect. Thanks, G. Cornell. That right there is a home theater experience for you all to try at home. So that is uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at one hour, 10 minutes and 50 seconds. Uh, sea Stallion starts at the front. Hear it coming and ceiling travels along the left. Try it for yourself. Thanks to you, Colonel. I love those ones. Um, that's, that's, that right there's the foundation of Brightside Home Theater. Uh, let's see, there's a Garinder. Looks like some time to clean up the HT area. He's been working on his home theater for a long time. It's looking good. Uh, he's, uh, what's that, his screen I think he's got hanging? He sent me some pictures. Um, 
he said, have a week. He has a week in January to finish extending the platform, fixing the back half of the room and finishing off the drop ceiling. And finally the, the, uh, projection screen height positioning. So coming along real nice, Gurinder. Um, but yeah, watching him try and he's been sending me pictures and comments of, a, of his home theater build. So can't wait to hear what he thinks of it when it's done. And he did, he took my advice. I had said to um, BJ a long time ago, he hasn't been on, he was on my show a couple of years ago, I think when I first started and we had been corresponding through email for, for maybe a year before that. And it was a lot of people get overwhelmed with the idea of building a home theater and stuff. And it's like, you just got to start. And I remember BJ being like, he hadn't worked. He wanted to do it for years and like had the idea. He, I think he even had some gear or something. He had a room dedicated for it, but he just was like, it's just that you got to start. And I remember we talked and I was like, you just got to start. I said, and if you want to use it, just use it. Set everything up on cardboard boxes, sit down and have fun. Let the wires be out and just have fun. And then go back to working. And that's a lot of what Garinder's done here. I, he sent me pictures. He, I, I think he's the one that sent me, he had his projector like stacked up on some boxes in the back and he was just, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you're in your room. Take a break, set the theater up. You might have the receiver sitting right next to you in a chair and the wires are all speaker wires are everywhere. And you're just like, Oh yeah, this is what it's going to be like. Because that's what gives you like the fun, the satisfaction of like when it is done to be like, oh, wow. You know, like, oh, I remember when I sat here with my receiver on a bucket. And it's like, in my theater, I remember sitting in my theater on a bucket. And I'm looking forward to doing that in my new one. You know, it's like I, I tweeted out the picture of me sitting on a log in the middle of a field. That's going to be my theater someday. I didn't have a screen in front of me. I was just listening to the birds chirp. But, yeah, have fun. Just sit up, you know. Get it all set up one day. Give yourself a break. Take a couple days, set your theater up, then take it all down or work around it. I know BJ did for a little while. Um, So, yeah, great, great work, Grinder. Can't wait to see more. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Fright Night 4K from uh, JCM. Uh, sorry if I, oh, John, I know who this is. I just saw the last part of your email. My buddy John. So, all right. DJ, I watched two older 4K movies this week. Point Break by Shout, So So Transfer, Dated dated 5-1 Track, a handful of interesting supplements. Then I watched Sony's Fright Night 4K, Excellent Transfer, Superb Dolby Atmos Track. There are jump scares in it, mostly in the height channels, powerful booming effects that will rock your system. I did not have it turned up loud at all as I was watching at night. There are there were objects rattling downstairs, but not in my immediate vicinity. It was unlike any frequencies I have played before, almost surreal and scary frequencies it hit. Wasn't so much rumbling my couch, but I heard more sounds coming from downstairs, which I have never had had happened before. The three-disc set has not one, but two Blu-rays with extra features. Many of them seem to be pretty current and very long. Sony just did a phenomenal job on this disc, and I wish that who whomever does the, their mixes for an older film would share their magic with other studios. This will be watched several times, as it is fantastic home theater experience. I was completely blown away. 
so I, uh, Fright Night, I haven't seen that forever. I think I saw that. I don't even know when. I know I've seen it. Um, and it wasn't my choice. I think, I think we were with a bunch of people and we saw it. Um, but yeah, that sounds awesome. And I know, I know John, he loves the details like me. He loves to get into stuff like that. So when you see somebody put that much work into it, like he said, and, and it, it's like, please share it or maybe don't share your knowledge, but hopefully you get outsourced to other people and you can, you can share that with other, you know, you can, you know, meaning, we want that. So hire him in other places so we can get that in other places as well is, is the best way I can put it. But that's awesome. So yeah, Fright Night with a great Dolby Amos track. Sounds awesome. Uh, no, that's an email from me that I forwarded. Um, this one here from, uh, Jonathan. Uh, so Jonathan had an issue with a projector bulb. Let me see if I can go back. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to think of where I could go back because we, we've had an exchange. He had some issues with a projector bulb and, uh, he wanted to know. Okay. Let me start with this one. He says, hi, great podcast with Chris Deering about calibration. Listen to it yesterday. I'm having quite a saga trying to replace the bulb in my Sony, uh, 325 projector. I have purchased two original replacement lamps from my projector lamps in Miami when they were on sale in July. Over the weekend, I tried to swap them in and both were defective. For both lamps, after installation, the brightness was maybe 10% of the old bulb. When I put the original bulb in, all was fine. I contacted customer service and they said it, it could be a bad batch of bulbs or they got damaged in transit and they shipped, shipped me two replacements. We'll have them in today. So hopefully these will work. Fingers crossed. I have been emailing with Kevin Miller, who calibrated my projector in April of 2022. He is suggesting that after I put the new bulb in, he comes out to do another calibration. Uh, he, uh, he suggests calibration is warranted for contrast and brightness, but also for color. I would also have him calibrate a separate mode for sports as I have never been happy with how the sports look on the projector. Also, I told him when, when he did the original calibration, the colors were amazing, but I felt it was too dark. Per your suggestion at that time, I copied the color settings to bright cinema and have basically been using that mode, but don't really know how accurate it is. So this time I would make sure he makes it bright enough he agreed with that. What do you think? Is it worth, is it worth having this done again? So yes, um, we, uh, have a, a whole bunch of emails have been exchanged since then. He had another bulb issue. Yeah. I think, um, this was just last week. I think he had a smudge on a bulb, uh, cause he got a spotting on one side. Um, projector bulbs are super fragile. Um, they, so many things can go wrong with them. Um, but, Aside from that, um, yes, every time you change a bulb, if you've had it calibrated, if you see the difference, if you enjoy getting a calibration, um, and what I mean by that is like, like if that's, if that's you, um, yes, it is definitely worth it because if, 
if that's the case, like me, I get mine calibrated. I haven't done, I just changed my bulb a few months ago and I still haven't had Jim out. We have talked. We just haven't been able to align our schedules. Um, but every year I get, I change my bulb and every year Jim comes out and recalibrates. So the reason being is, um, bulb brightness can be a little different. Uh, color could be a little bit different just depending on the bulb. Um, everything's based on the light from the bulb, right? So it's hard to describe, but when you're getting into a calibration and you're getting into light output and stuff like that, at that fine detail, yeah, changing your bulb is going to make a difference uh, in, in all, in all of those things. Right. So if that's the type of person that you are and you care about that and you care about just the knowledge that you want, that you know you have the best that you can possibly have, then yes, I definitely think it's worth it. Um, if you're listening right now and you're like, you don't think calibrations are worth it, then that's, you didn't get one in the first place. So when you change your bulb, you're probably not getting one again. So, you know, and it's, and again, getting back to like Reggie's email where it's like knowing the differences and knowing the details. If you don't see a difference and you don't think it matters, then don't worry about it. But if you do want to get, if there is something to be gained there, if nothing else, the knowledge to know that it is accurate. And as accurate as, as it can be. Um, I know I've never met Kevin Miller. I know, um, uh, Jim knows him, knows him very well. I've known people that have used him and he's very much like it, very, uh, same mindset as Jim in that they're very super, um, pro accuracy, pro like get it as best as you possibly can. Um, a lot of G Kevin's advice, I've talked with other people, including Jonathan, Kevin's advice mirrors a lot of my advice, which my advice mirrors it is all gained from Jim, from learning through Jim. So when people ask me stuff, I'll say, yes, I do this, this, and this because of Jim. And then, you know, Jonathan found out, oh yeah, yeah. Kevin said the same thing. Perfect. So, um, it is a, uh, you know, there are multiple theories out there. There are multiple, you know, and no right or wrong. Uh, so yeah, just if I do think it's worth it. So, and, and Jonathan knows that, but if anybody else out there, yeah, I think it's worth it. it to be fair, and with a laser projector, when, if I get a laser projector, probably will end up with a laser projector in my new theater because they're all going that way anyways. So it's harder to find a bulb projector. I would probably still get that calibrated every year because your laser is going to diminish ever so slightly, but it will. And just over time, just to, just to check up, kind of like taking your car in for an oil change. You're putting this many hours on something. You're using your system. Who knows what could happen? Have them come out. Just have a, you know, good. It's like have, paying for a checkup. You know, I mean, you go and get a physical every year. I hope you should. Uh, you, you know, bright side PSA right there. Um, get your projector done too. If you're going to get it calibrated once, I, I get it done every, I'll get it done every year. And I think it's worth it just for peace of mind of knowing that it's right. And now when you do get it done, I will tell you, you're probably going to be like, I don't really see a difference. Yeah, I know. But you know what? It's, but you know, it's right because you've already had it calibrated. Even on that first calibration, I know now on my last two projectors, the calibration when I got it, it wasn't as whoa, 
what a difference as it was many years, like 20 years ago when I had it done. And it was like, wow, what a difference because those projectors were so much worse. You needed to calibrate them to get them to look good. Now they're right out of the box. They're really, really good. Uh, but when you get it done, there's an, there's an improvement. But then when you get it done every year, it's more of a maintenance thing to have it done. And I will say, I'm, I, I don't know Kevin. I know Jim very well. You don't know Jim. You're probably not going to call Jim. Support these guys. You know, having them come out once a year, that's, you're making a friend. You're getting to talk to somebody. You're getting your projector checked up on and you're supporting a business. These guys, a lot of these guys are just, they're looking for, they're not, I mean, Chris Deering, he's doing very well. He's very, but he's doing the work to travel. A lot of these guys don't do that. And they have to, they, they, if they are good and they're in there and they're in your area and they don't travel, support them. And that's how I look at it too. I want to support Jim. Okay. Uh, this, this next one, um, box office math. Oh yeah. We're getting this, uh, second to last one. This is a great one. It's a little long, but I love this one. And you, <laughs> and, and I, I got to say it up front. I love this email because, um, when you hear my reply at the end, you're going to be like, wow, you're a jerk. <laughs> So, but I do. Thank you, Ian, for sending this in. And uh, now let's go through this because we were talking about the other day, uh, we we're talking about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning in last week's show and that it lost money. And I just made the offhand comment. I'm like, eh, but how do we know? Blah, blah, blah. Right. So here we go. So Ian wrote in and said, hey, guys, on the most recent episode, you were discussing the oddness of box office math. And how it is dumb that it seems like a movie needs to make two and a half times the budget to make a profit. Here's what happens near as studios will let it be known. Depending upon how in demand a movie is, a booker for a theater or chain will negotiate the splits, quote, end quote, for the box office. Something like Avatar 2 or Endgame that have a guarantee to be huge will usually start with a 90% split in the studio's favor. So if something like Endgame comes out and makes $473 million in its opening week, the studio takes home $425 million while the theaters get 48 Starting in the second week, that split may start to shift more to the theaters. All of this is subject to negotiation. But over time, it will usually end up at a 50-50, but could even go more in favor of the theaters for something that has really long legs. Titanic, for instance, made theaters a ton of money because it lasted so long. So it's easy to see how a movie that costs $200 million to make, if by the end of it, its run makes $400 million. Maybe the money back in, maybe the money back up back to the studio is 300 million. So right there, you can see why the movie studios are incentivized to pump up the opening weeks of a movie because they take home more of the box office. So that introduces the advertising. This is a chicken or egg question, which has an answer, but no one in the industry wants to know it. Many economists have tried to show that most advertising doesn't do much after a certain point, but everyone is scared of it. First, it is what has always, it, first, it is what has always been done. So 
to prove that advertising is a waste, it would require a lot of real world testing. And if something bombs with advertising, the movie is blamed. Something that bombs without advertising, that would be blamed. Plus, we all do know what's coming out and a trailer on YouTube is enough for us. Freakonomics did some great stories on this. Plus, advertising is a good way to keep money internal to the studios since all the materials are produced in-house instead of showing a, showing a higher profit. So it becomes a situation where if you can spend a hundred million advertising your movie and boost the gross of the first two weeks by two hundred million, the studio comes out ahead, which leads to, leads to points. Many people involved with the studio will get points either on the gross or profit of a movie. While the gross is simple and usually harder to get, the profit factors in all of the above. If the studio spends a hundred million on advertising with half of it being internal, they raise the threshold they start paying on points while keeping money in the studio. This, along with several other methods, can lead to, quote, movie math, end quote, which can overinflate the budget. Many movies will report no profit for a long time, even though they can be happy with it. But the people getting profit points won't be. Finally, the international box office, the split is usually much more in favor of the theaters, with some being almost reversed. This is why domestic box office is still king. Avatar has made around $785 million domestic, about $2.1 billion international. By the time a movie run ends, usually it ends up being about a 50-50 split for domestic and 20-80 for in international. Again, this does vary. This means Avatar made about 400 million for the studio domestic versus 420 million international against nearly three times the receipts. This shows both why international box office is important, a lot of, a lot more people, but also why domestic still matters the most. So long story short, studios are incentivized to have movies open big so they advertise as much as they reasonably can, even though the studio, even though at the same time they probably shouldn't. But it helps them hide profits from profit sharing deals. Increasingly though, the goal is for domestic box office to pay the bills while the, while the international box office is the profit. I personally do think a re reconning is coming from movie budgets as they have gotten way out of control, but it will take a few more years like this, Barbenheimer aside, for that to likely sink in. Happy holidays, Ian. Great information. Um, a lot of that information, like some of that stuff, like the studio splits, I've, we, I've heard that for years. Uh, there's some stuff in there that I didn't think of, but I love, I didn't know about. Like, it helps the studios to say like, oh, let's spend this on advertising. So that, think about it. It's kind of like, you'll see a lot of truck ads going on right now, or big rig, big heavy equipment material ads going on at the end of the year. Because if you have, you run in a business and you have $80,000 in the bank and you, or you have an $80,000 tax debt 
and that in your accountant goes, um, buy that $80,000 truck. And then we, you get the write off. Now you owe nothing to the government. You just get to write that whole truck off instead of giving the 80,000 to the government. You now just, you gave it to, you know, uh, cat and you bought a big truck, right? Something like that. Well, the studios are kind of doing that here. They're like, we could spend a hundred, a hundred million on advertising, keep that in house. But now that our budget just went up a hundred million. So that means that anybody making points over the profit, we haven't reached the, reached the profit. So we don't have to pay that money to them. But the advertising comes back to us anyways, because we're paying ourselves to do it. So I'm like, I find that very interesting. And that's just business getting business, how business is done. Right. So it's, it's very, very interesting stuff. Now, this is, and this is what I was thinking the other day when we talked about it on the show. This is where DJ turns into a jerk. Who gives a crap? <laughs> I like a movie. I like a movie. I don't care if it went broke. <laughs> I just want to see a movie. This is Bright Side Home Theater. And that's what I wanted to say to the guys the other day. I'm like, I don't care if Mission Impossible went bankrupt. I had so much fun and I want another one. And then their reply would be, well, you want it to do well so that it has another one. Yeah. And it did. Then we're getting one. So what are we talking about here, people? <laughs> you know, like, what the hell? It's like, we didn't get another Green Lantern because it stunk and nobody went to see it and it didn't make any money. That's how business gets done. You know what? You know, everybody's arguing over like who's running the studios and who's doing this. We are, you donkeys. <laughs> if you don't pay for it, they don't make it. And it's like, you know, you're, you're getting so mad about that. Oh, I didn't make enough. Who I really, I honestly do not give two craps what a movie makes. I never look at that stuff. I never look at the budget. And here's the other thing. We just went through a whole summer of, you know, wanting the artists to get paid, the actors, the writers, and this. You know what? When those crappy movies come out and they don't make any money and they lost money, all the artists got paid. They, unless they went and said, I want profits. Well, that's on you as the artist, because that was your contract that you signed on for. But everybody in there, everybody got, made money. You know, the people doing the catering made the money for that movie. The people, you know, your, your engineers and your gaffers and your, all the mixed people after the fact, they all made their money because that was the budget. And then we never paid them back for making that movie. That's on us, right? But that's our job. You don't like it? Don't go. You don't like it? Don't buy it. You don't want that Blu-ray? Don't buy it. But if you're not buying it, but you want physical media, that's on you too. See Australia. They stop buying it? We're not sending it to you. And now everybody's like, that's not fair. That's on Australia. Now, I know there are listeners down there. It's not on them. You can only buy you know, bloodshot so many times. People in Australia listening to this show, I feel bad for you because you live in a market that most people around you don't care. But as I said at the show, start of the show, we can't force people to like this stuff. There, Where there's a will, there's a way. You have to import it. You have to do this. You have to do that. If the market gets smaller, prices go up. I get it. We want it to be popular, but you can't force people to do it. But we, we are the ones. I heard Shane say it on his show months ago, and he had a rant similar to this one where he was like, you see these people talking about physical media. They love physical media, but they're all waiting for the sales. What? 
you're afraid physical media is going away, but you're not buying it. You're buying it on sale. It's like, buy it, support it. And it's very similar to how I feel about what's going on with the James Cameron stuff right now. Oh, it looks like crap. He ruins his movies. Seeing those comments about him saying like, oh, he should never be able to touch his stuff again. If you were in front of me, I might get violent. That's ridiculous. It's his stuff. You might not like what he does with it, but he has every right to do it. Lucas has every right to do what he wants to do with his stuff. It's his stuff. It's up to you whether you like it or not. Now, if you keep saying you don't like stuff and all of a sudden it goes away, don't complain to me because you're not buying it and it went away. And especially don't complain to me. I own seven bloodshots. So I'm supporting it. I love this stuff. I love, I love stuff that you probably shouldn't love. Everybody knows I own Green Lantern. I own Green Lantern on my Kaleidoscape. I own Green Lantern on 4K. I own it on Blu-ray. So if it's on 4K, I don't know. But I might not own it on 4K. I don't remember. I don't know if it's on 4K. But I love these movies. I have fun with them. I don't care what they make. To be honest with you, I don't know. And I'd love somebody to come on and tell me why I should care. Because why do we care? Why? I think it's just something to be like, so you can point and go, that stunk. Or, But Mission Impossible did not. But this was a tough year. I have another comment in on the YouTube. Somebody said it was one of the worst years. Okay, where do we go from here? Is this a discussion or you just want to tell me, you know, and, and a lot of people, John and Steve said it to me. It's like, it, it, it was, what's the point? What are we talking about here? So are, are we trying to tell people you need to go to the movies? You know, did we go, did you do every effort? To, I mean, what are we doing? Why are we talking about what they make? I don't care. Do we argue? Does anybody say, oh, I went to McDonald's the other day. I got the new Big Mac. Oh, the Big Mac was great. Oh, do you hear they're losing money on the Big Macs? They're losing money. Yeah, it's crazy. It's the last Big Mac. It only made so many millions of dollars. So, you know, but they're still making it. But, you know, the profits at McDonald's are going, nobody gives two craps. You don't go out to eat and go, you know what it cost them to make that burger? Oh, that steak I had, you know what that cost them? Profits, they're not turning a profit on that. Nobody talks about it. Why do we do it with movies? And Ian, I love your information. Love it. But honestly, like, what are we doing here? (laughs) It's like, why do we care? It's like, I, I don't, I honestly don't, I honestly don't care, but I, I, I love these emails. I will read these emails because they get me fired up. They're fun to talk about. Ian, come on the show. We'll talk about it. And like I said, I'm like, I'm having fun with this one. I'm, I really am. And it's like, but I do, I do feel that way. And if somebody said that to me, you would come on, we do a takeover Tuesday or if somebody, when we do, when we did the show the other day with John, we had so much stuff. I didn't want to go there with that but in this open forum you can go there and it to me it's like it's really like what are we talking about why and and why like where does this conversation go and how does it change movies because we talk about it 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 really doesn't it it's not going to change anything that's i i and i don't i don't know how you could convince me otherwise like well we need to know this more so that we what know what to buy. We're only going to pay for what we like anyways. That's the purpose. That's the idea. So, all right. We have one last email literally came in at eight o'clock this morning. Um, and this is kind of a funny one. I'm not sure it's a real listener. I might be a form email. I don't know, but let's have at it. It says, hi, bright side home theater team. Yep. It's a form. Uh, my name is, uh, I won't try. 
but I'm the founder of Feedspot. I would like to personally congratulate you as your podcast, Brightside Home Theater, has been selected by our panelists as one of the top 10 home theater podcasts on the web. Uh, <clears throat> then he sent me a link uh, for a home theater pod. He sent me a link to for a blog, and he says, you can change logo or profile pic on your podcast or edit its description and add all your social media profile links as well as we use follower counts as one of our, as one of the factors to rank the list. He said, I personally give you a high five and (laughs) quoting Ryan Reynolds right there. Um, High five from Deadpool. I personally give you a high five and want to thank you for your contribution to this world. This is the most compressive lit, comprehensive list of top 10 home theater podcasts on the internet. And I'm honored to have you as part of this. We'd be grateful if you can help us spread the word by briefly mentioning about the top 10 home theater podcast lists in any of your upcoming posts. Please feel free to reach out with any questions. And best uh, Anuj, A-N-U-J. I'm not sure how to say that. So I haven't opened, I just opened this this morning. I haven't clicked on any of these links. It's probably going to crash my system. Uh, let me, <laughs> but I thought this was funny because I'm like, did he, are we really a top 10? Are we really this? Or, or are they just trying to get us to promote them? But I'm like, but here, let's see what they have for top 10 home theater podcasts and we'll see what that list looks like. And then I'll be able to tell you how accurate it is. Oh, okay. It's super accurate. Um, podcasts, feedspot.com and then slash home theater. And it comes up number one, home theater geeks, uh, out of pet. We know, we all know who that is. Home theater geeks, MP3. Number two, HD TV and home theater podcast out of California. Um, first two are out of California. Um, and number three, Brightside Home Theater. Nice. That's us. We, we made it. Not the top 10. We made the top three, everybody. I've had the home. Th- yeah. Okay. That's, I'm reading my, my bio. Duh. All right. Brightside Home Theater is number three. Let's see. Um, number four, average home theater reviews. Uh, that's number five, Home Theater United podcast. I know them. Uh, number six, AV Excel, and then show seven through 120, and that's locked. I think I have to sign up and submit my, yeah, so they sent me a link. So um, if it's real, cool. If it's not, cool. I don't know. Whatever. I don't worry about that. If you're listening to us, you already know, but go there and check it out if you want. I don't know. Brett, like I said, what did I say it was? <laughs> I'm sorry. Feedspot. That's what it was. Uh, feedspot.com. I don't know. But yeah, I, I I get stuff like this every now and then, and they'll tell me I have a great show and this and that, and you're like, they've never, you you can tell by the email they've never, this is the most, uh, this is the closest I think they actually do listen or did listen, or it it is based on something. I've never, this is pretty more, this is more comprehensive than some of the other caca <laughs> that I get from people trying to uh, get me to, um, subscribe or this service or whatever they want to do for us. Um, uh, let's see. All right. Let's get to some YouTube comments and uh, then we will wrap up. Uh, I'm losing my voice here. Yeah. So, um, but 
All right, let me see. Where do we sit? All right, let's start with this one from YouTube because this was a hot-button topic quite a few weeks ago, uh, and it did go on in the 24-hour podcast, 25-hour podcast. But Theo started, commented, this is a live stream show 339, and he commented, love the show, men, but too many sound dropouts. Uh, and then Miguel Manu's, I'm sorry, Miguel. At Miguel says, yeah, it's annoying. Imagine listening to the 25-hour broadcast with all those dropouts. And Theo, my man, and I, I know Miguel is like, you know, he's joking. He's like, imagine how bad that would have been. And then Theo goes, I would put up with this show because it's so good. I would also like it to be resolved, though. Just <laughs> great. But you know what's funny? The first time I noticed those dropouts was in the 25-hour show. I was dropping out. Um and when I made shows out of that, a couple of Takeover Tuesdays afterwards, I put back my audio. So, you know, and I did last month's Takeover Tuesday, same way I'm doing it right now. And that one had audio dropouts in it, not as many. I hope this one doesn't because I am not recording a backup right now because I'm trying to just do this on the fly and get it done quick. Um, but, but yeah, and, and it, it resolved itself. I, I everybody was hitting, I, and it got worse and worse week after week. And I don't know what it was, but now it's not there. And I didn't do anything differently. And that's that's the nature of streaming, though. It's you know, I, I talk with other podcasters, um, and it's you're like, what? I didn't do anything different. I didn't do anything different. And then all of a sudden, it's like it's just bad one week and great another week, or different another week. And you you you're trying. We're trying to do as best we can, but when you're mixing with streaming, this again, like home theater, there's so many variables. So, um, Basil at Basil Parker three two three seven says, "I agree with John. Hated this movie. Couldn't even finish it." And he was talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. <laughs> um. And that, and, and that's a great point. And that's why we do what we do. Um, I started, like I said, I started trying to talk positively about movies that nobody was talking positively about. Not just that, but that was my purpose. Like, let's get some positivity into some stuff that I know people do like. And you, and then when I started doing it, people were like, yeah, yeah, we all call them guilty pleasures. Well, I don't want them called that anymore because that's not fair. You're allowed to like it and you shouldn't have to feel guilty. But you also shouldn't have to feel guilty about not liking something like John not liking everything everywhere all at once. That's fine. You know, I've heard a rumor. Some people don't like Evil Dead Rise. It's far be it for me to judge. But, you know, it can happen. So and that's OK. It's also OK to think it's great. Still don't understand that either. Um, let's see. Uh, remember the TV version of the, this is from Glenn Taylor. Uh, says, remember the TV version of this? Loved it so much. Can't find it anywhere to watch though. Uh, talking about the fugitive. Uh, yes, I do remember the TV show. I don't remember the show as much as I remember when the movie was coming out. Everybody's like, remember the show? And I did. I knew of it at the time. I never watched it growing up. My father did or knew of it. He's probably one that told me. Um, so, uh, next comment. Uh, this is from live, uh, live stream of show 341. So now, uh, a week later, and Theo, top not show audio was fantastic. Thanks, Theo. I did nothing. <laughs> I literally did nothing. Um, let's see. Let's see. Next comment. That's Steve talking to somebody. <sighs> oh, 
This is uh, Darth Joke 88. I gotta say it in that voice. Kind of because my voice is going. But it says, amount of money spent is not always inverse to amount of time spent in theater. Mine, mine is well into six figures, his theater that is, and my family spends two to three nights a week minimum in there. It's a great family activity from making the popcorn to discussing the movie afterwards. Money well spent. <clears throat> I said, could not agree. I replied to that. Uh, on, on YouTube, I said, could not agree more. My particular theater isn't into six figures, but the money I've spent over the past 35 plus years on this hobby is well into six figure mark. And I couldn't think of a better way to spend my time and money. I literally curb all other habits and vices just so I can keep affording home theater. In my lifetime, I would say, my entire quality of life, including my health, has directly benefited from my love and passion, passionate drive of home theater. And my wife and I were just talking about this the other day. And I was thinking like when people think of budgets and you think of stuff like that. And I was thinking the most accurate way I can describe my expenditures is 10% of my gross income has probably gone to home theater. And I think back to, to when I was and this came up when our and I were discussing, if you listen to HT guys, we were talking about the difference of cost from the seventies, eighties, nineties into today and what your money could get you back then to what your money gets you to today. And our and I had a pretty, pretty, you know, expanded conversation about that. We were going to bring it to the show, but obviously it's the holidays. It was hard to schedule stuff like that. But, but about 10% of my budget and about 10% of my gross income would go to home theater. Now, back when I was first married, my wife and I, now I say my income, not our household income. So when we first got married, I was probably making 25,000 a year. And if I spent 2,500 a year, that would have been a lot of money. That would have been on home theater. But if you think, but at the time, so we've said like my first really good television was my Sony 32 inch Sony Trinitron. And that cost me, I think, 1,100 bucks. Now you add that in. And then add in the movies, the laser discs I was buying at the time. And if I'm buying a movie a week at about 40, say 40 bucks a week times 50, that's a lot. That's two grand right there in a year. Cause you're talking 50 weeks, 40 weeks. It's, that's a lot of, that, yeah, that's 40 times 50. So that, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of discs. And you're, that and then you look at how much we spend now, and I think it has grown progressively at ten percent at a ten percent some some years I wouldn't spend as much like I wouldn't need to upgrade anything, so I didn't make an expenditure, but when I did, it was like, oh it, okay, that and then when I look at those expenditures throughout my history, it was roughly about ten percent um probably the biggest one was probably the kaleidoscape. And why am I binging here? I'm not even supposed to be on. But anyways, it was probably the Kaleidoscape and I had to go into our vacation budget to do it. So it came, you know, that wasn't 10% of my gross income, but it was, it comes out of our vacation budget. And as I said, when I got it, I'm like, my wife okayed it because 
COVID. We hadn't gone on vacation. The money's sitting there and we had no plans on going anywhere. And she's like, all right, go ahead. So, but that's kind of how that would go. But a lot, just because you spend a lot of money doesn't mean you spend a lot of time. Doesn't mean you get good quality. Doesn't mean you, it's how do you look at it? Do, how do you justify it? This kind of goes back to that earlier conversation. How do you inspire people to do this? You can't because they're the ones that have to justify the expenditures and say, okay, I, I can do this. And how do I, it, like when you're looking at a big piece like a kaleidoscape, I'm not trying to talk anybody into buying one, one of those or a Lumigen or any big piece. I'm just trying to tell you how I justified it. If you are thinking of it, then you're looking for a way to justify it. And maybe you can, oh, okay, it can do. All right. I think if you don't, if you don't, if you can't justify it, then don't worry about it. You're not, that's not for you. And, and I get that. And there were many, many, many years I couldn't justify those things. I couldn't justify upgrading my receiver for this. I couldn't up, justify upgrading my speakers, which is why I was like, eh, I don't really see the reason to upgrade. So I stayed with my NHTs for many, many years. Um, getting into like my health and stuff. I work for myself. I got to stay healthy. I love home theater. I want to get a piece. I need to work a little harder. But if I'm sick, I can't, or if I'm in, I'm not motivated and I don't want to work, I can't make it. I can't buy anything. So my health, everything, I, I don't, I've never done alcohol. I've never done any drugs. I've never done anything. Cause why? I don't want to lose my money to that. Cause I've, I have had friends that have done that and they spend a lot of money on that. I've never taken up smoking. Cause I don't want to, I have a buddy. One of my very good friends does the exact same job I do. And he goes, how do you afford all this? He does a dip a can of dip a day, smoke cigarettes, and he's a fisherman. So he has a boat. He has it. I'm like, how do I afford this? How do you afford that? And then I, I, I worked out the like can of dip a day for him. I'm like, dude, that's, that's a car payment. <laughs> like, what are you doing? That's an expense. That's a Porsche payment, you know? So it's like, where do you justify spending this kind of money? Just because you spend it every day going into a convenience store doesn't mean it's less money than the guy that put plunks it all down on a $2,000 system. You know, it's, it, we all have our vices and we all have our justifications and what, you know, could it prolong my life? Could shorten my life too. <laughs> if I keep, if I, if I bought the wrong piece and my wife kills me, um, no, it's, it, it, it's, it's a way of life. It's what we do. And like, like, uh, Darth Choke 88 says, I'm Darth Choke 88 says here, um, same thing. It's like, he spent a lot. He has a beautiful, beautiful theater, loves it and spent a lot of money on it and he can justify it because he, the times that he's spending in there and the quality that he's getting with friends and family. Absolutely. Uh, the theater I'm building right now, I don't want it to be this big. It's, it's this big because my wife wants that many seats for the grandchildren. She wants that quality. She wants to be in there more with the family. She wants it. I'm like, I know it's usually just me in there. That's all. I don't need a huge theater. I could save a lot of money and not have to pressurize this big space, but she wants this big space. And that means you have to, so I had to go as big as I could. And it's, you know, it, it it's not extreme. I would shrink it down and get a little bit more, but um, make it a little easier to manage. But, but yeah, it's all what you can justify. And, um, you know, and there, there's no right or wrong answer. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Do, 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 do. Looks like we're, we're, we're. 
Um, Blue Wave saying, looks like we're getting a ridiculously awesome HD experience with Rebel Moon guys uh, in a YouTube video. And this was two weeks ago. And I could say, I am uh, halfway through Rebel Moon. I'm really enjoying it. Really enjoying the home theater experience as well. Um, I wouldn't say it's like Six Underground or Adam Project kind of. It's not like a big, it's, at least I haven't gotten to anything like that yet, but I am really enjoying it. It's more, uh, more cerebral than, um, than big summer blockbuster explosion type movie. So I'm, I'm really enjoying that. Uh, let's see. Let's, uh, Anybody else? Some thank yous. Thank yous. Great live stream. This is from Stanford, uh, Ang, Stanford E, Ang5197. Great live stream. Glad to hear that this will be a regular event. Oh, this is for the home theater chat with the HT guys we did, uh, last Friday, uh, a couple Fridays ago. I was the one who asked the Kaleidoscapes question on the HT Guys podcast. Very informative answer. In this age of streaming content, it is good to know that Kaleidoscape can be trusted. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it's, that's their business, you know, and they're, that's the idea of Kaleidoscape is that they're, they're trying to be as rock solid as possible. And that's what they've worked really hard. And I only know this from the history just watching them. Um, they worked really hard to get where they are. A lot of people think because they're wicked expensive that they're like this big company. They're not. They're a small company and, but they're working directly with the studios to bring those movies in a way that like basically what iTunes, you know, Apple did with iTunes and music and now are doing with movies in the streaming. Like you can buy their movies. And it's, they are, Apple is working with the studios to, for that licensing to be able to stream those movies to you. And, you know, what are the odds? Now I know, I remember hearing Rob say on AV Rant years ago, this was many years ago, I want to say Apple took some movies off of the Canadian iTunes. I might be wrong. I might have misinterpreted or mixed up conversations because it was a couple years ago. And, um, but, Regardless, it's very, you, you probably wouldn't be as worried about Apple dropping their streaming rights to, to a studio because they're so big, you know, and the, it feels to me like the studios want Apple, right? They want to get their stuff and they want people paying for that. Um, and Kaleidoscape is working with the studios to give you the rights to those movies. And then when you purchase them, that's your movie. Just like when you bought a disc, that's your movie. You own it and it's on your hard drive. So, um, that's, that was the question. And, and we worked that one out and it, it was, and it was also timely because of what was going on with, uh, Sony PlayStation and losing all of those movies to discovery or whatever, not movies, TV shows. So, um, uh, damn, I thought it was next Friday. I wanted to watch this live. Even got a bottle of Jack. This is from Terry Noonan, 6616. Uh, and he says, I don't drink whiskey or bourbon mistake. Uh, and I don't drink whiskey or bourbon mistake, I guess. Big love to you and Ara and Braden. You're the reason why I'm here with DJ and Steve. So 
Yeah, big love to you, R and Braden. The other reason why I'm here with DJ and Steve. Uh, yeah, R and Braden have been huge and, you know, they've been huge supporters of our show. Um, a lot of our listeners came from there. Uh, and it is, I mean, they're great guys. They've been so great to me. And like I said, having them on, I opened the show last week apologizing to them because when we hung up, I was just like, so I, I, not hung up, but when we ended that live stream, I was just so flustered, uh, trying to get out of there. I knew Braden didn't feel well. He wanted to get out of there. But at the same time, I was just like, it, it, it is one of those things I tried. I'm having fun doing this, but at the same time, it's like, oh my God, I'm sitting down with Iron Braden and they asked me. They're like, they wanted to come on here. <laughs> I'm like, what the? I listened to them for years. <laughs> I used to yell at them too. To be fair, I used to yell at my, my screen, my, my, like, I'd be driving in my truck and I'd be like, no, you're wrong, blah, 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 whatever it was. So, and I love when people do that to me because my son does it to me, <laughs> yell at it. And then he'll call me. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, let's see. When I first started podcasting, my son would call me and tell me to correct myself and he'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot you're not live on the air because he'd think he was listening to talk radio. Um, PK says 10 years back, I got a friend to carry the Darby to, to carry the Darby processor from the U S to India for $200, but it never worked. And I couldn't send for a refund on Crutchfield. I was so excited to get it during that time and was highly disappointed. Glad to hear about the Darby again, DJ. So that was a great question. Um, that, and that's what I love doing when I do those when I do take over Tuesdays or I do those discussions, we, we do a chat. There's an idea of what we're going to talk about, but then you just let it go from then, let it grow organically and you get great questions and you get honest answers. I find, um, because when people know what they're going to talk about and you guys know what I mean, it's like when you're watching YouTube and you're watching and listening to these people and you get people on there from different places you know what the subject's going to be or whether it's a product or this or a movie they're promoting or something. So you get that idea when, when you talk organically and it's just open ended, like when I had Ralph on and when I had, you know, Giles recently or any of you listeners, when you come on, I'm like, bring it, whatever you want. I feel like that's where you get the most honest answers because you have no time to prep and you're getting the answer off the top of their head. And it's, you know, and that's, I love talking to people like that. And that's why I like getting people when I first met Brett and, um, you know, Brett Bjorkwist and having him come on and him just being, he's just so passionate about home theater and talking with people like that. And, you know, Brent Butterworth, when he came on and, and how passionate he was about home theater and he's an audiophile guy, right? And then talking about Rob from AV Rant. It's like, I remember the first time I had him on, I had questions for him that he didn't know about. And he was, boom, like that. Because he's got some kind of weird eidetic memory or something. Like, he remembers manuals, like, insane, right? And that's where he gets there. He's like, oh, yeah, and then this. And he was doing that. So I love getting that that real, real honest answers from people. And it's like, what's your favorite movie? Quick. And like, oh, and like Braden was like, what's he, that's what, and that Braden just asked that question off the cuff. And he was like, well, Hey, let's think, let's, what was your favorite gift? And I was like, Oh my God. And then boom, first thing that popped in my head was that Darby and my wife got it. And like I said, I got super emotional about that because I was like, 
how does she even know what this thing is? I'd never talked about. How do you talk about a Darby to your wife in the first place? Uh, it's this little box that I, I have no idea, but she did. She probably found out from somebody that I, a store that I go to or something and be like, Oh, he might have been looking at that. I don't know. But when somebody pulls out something like that, um, that, that was amazing. So yes, that's my favorite. Um, let's see. Uh, let, uh, Darth Choke 88 again. I'm sorry. Darth Choke 88 again. Sorry. Not very bright side here, but Abyss, uh, Special edition in HD, Kaleidoscape, and in parts looks 480p. Very disappointed the directors did not treat the director's cut with any regard unless the special edition on disc will be in 4K. There are some very poor resolution scenes in HD, at least the special edition version. I AB compared some scenes on Kaleidoscape and wow, some HD scenes or very SD in were very SD in director's cut. 4K theatrical was outstanding. Viewed with JVC NZ8, MadVR NV, and a Stuart Studio Tech 130. Is Studio to blame for the version given to Kaleidoscape or Cameron? Um, I said, and I replied to him, I said, studio is always the source. Kaleidoscape just releases what is released to them. As I said in the show, I'm hopeful based on the double dipping of the special edition of both Avatar films that we will be getting a 4K special edition with Atmos of the Abyss later in 2024. I didn't find the HD version of the special edition to be that bad, but I also didn't go through the whole thing. I really just watched a few scenes and all of the, quote, extra scenes that made it special edition. When it comes, when the special edition comes in 4K, that will be my go-to version, but until then, I'll only watch the theatrical cut anyways. It looks and sounds really good to me, and the Atmos update is nice. So at the time, Atmos... Atmos had just been updated on Kaleidoscape. When it first came out, it was in DTS 5.1. And then a week later, they updated it to Atmos. Um, but now seeing him asking, do you blame Cameron? I still would say, and I didn't answer it in that answer. Um, is that, you know, is that the studio or Cameron sending that? And I would still say the studio. I don't think Cameron knows, like, only give Kaleidoscape this. Um, I think Cameron made his movies the way he wanted, and then the studio is the marketer. You know, just the, you know, this is, you know, car painter version guy talking. Uh, studios are the ones that sell it. They pay him or whatever. Here, do this, blah, 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 blah. He gets to make his art the way he wants, and then we're going to market it and sell it and send it out, and we'll bum, bum, bum. I don't think he gets into that in particular. Um, so... What shows up on Kaleidoscape is up to the studios. I don't, I don't think Cameron gets involved with that. Um, let's see. Steve, uh, Amling 2718. Great video. And we're talking about Die Hard 2, Die Harder. This is an old one that I did years, a couple of years ago. Die Hard 2, Die Harder 4K streaming versus the HD disc. Uh, because I didn't, at the time, I didn't have a Kaleidoscape. Uh, die, I only had the HD disc, but it is, Die Hard 2 is streaming in 4K. So he says, great video, appreciate it. I was trying to decide whether to buy the iTunes 4K since I own the disc. 
I think I'll watch the disc this season and hopefully the 4K disc will be released sometime in the next year. Then we'll pick that up. One and two are the only ones I really like, so want to have them on disc if possible. Already have one on disc. Great analysis. Thanks again. Thanks, Steve. Um, yeah, that was a fun one to do because I, I mean, that was a while ago I did it, but I do remember thinking like the, the video was better, but I will watch the disc and lose that slight improvement of 4K streaming over an HD image. Okay. So it was, and it was, you had to AB, you wouldn't know the difference if you walked away first, you know, and then came back into the room. But if you could AB it quickly enough, you could barely make out some slight, ever so slight differences. The audio is not ever so slight. It was not worth like the very slight bump in picture, but the audio on the physical disc was so much better, so much more dynamic that I would always, I would always, I've yet to hear something streaming equal a physical disc in any way in audio. I mean, it may, it's getting close video. It is getting close, but there is a very slight difference there. Um, but if they got the audio up there, if they could get that, they wouldn't even have to go. They could keep the picture exactly the way it is right now, right? Don't give me a lossless, quote unquote, lossless version of picture. Give me what I'm getting for a picture right now and give me lossless audio. Just get the audio up there. And I think you would have, I mean, that's the game changer right there because then you're, you're there. And I would still tell you there's a bump in picture, but it isn't worth it. That would kill physical media. And that's a topic that I'm going to be talking more about next year. Be happy to have people on and talk about that one because I think there's a huge push to physical media right now. And you're seeing it. You're seeing people talking about it. You're seeing movie stars talking about it. You're seeing directors talk about it. We all know who they are. And I think I'm like, I'm reading the tea leaves and I'm like, uh, physical media is dying and they know it and they're just getting the one last grasp at it. And then because something's coming along and talking with Paul Hurt and other people in the industry talking about like this A1 and this, this. And it's like when, if all of a sudden the quality on streaming meets physical media, it's like, boom, physical media is going to drop like a rock because let's be honest, the, it mean, they're trying to tell you, oh, the, you see the marketing right now. I said I was going to talk about next year, but why not talk about it right now? Because you got me on a tangent. Um, they tell you, oh, yeah, and there's streaming platforms. They could take it away from you. Show me any movie you really cared about that was taken away from you. And people right now, they're probably right in. They'll be like, remember this one? One. One. You're going to get me with one. Or you show, show me the list that. Sony lost to Discovery and show me a movie on there you care about because I'll tell you right now there isn't one uh because they're all TV shows and I looked at the list and I was like what? who bought those in the first place it wasn't anything of quality it wasn't anything huge um so there's always been and you know you can buy it go ahead but once streaming can can equal physical It'll die. It'll draw. It'll fall off a rock because fall off a cliff. I mean, because I've always just I'm chasing quality. Always, I had I had Dish Network. I had cable TV, 
And then, and I was comparing the two. And when one was better than the other, I went with that one. I was loyal to nothing. I'm just looking for the, and I love having the quality. I had dish network and cable at the same time. And I'm comparing that this is back in the early 2000s when I could get HD, but they didn't, you know, I couldn't get HD through my cable service. So I went, Dish had that. Dish Network had HD service. So I could get that. We're chasing the best possible quality we can get, right? Well, what happens when the quality meets physical? And, and here's the, here's the secret. It's not a secret. I've talked about it. Other people have talked about it. Physical is limited. We all know it's limited. It's a 66 gigabyte or a hundred gigabyte disc. That's it. You want to watch Lord of the Rings Special Edition? It's a two-disc set. You got to watch both discs. Physical is limited. Streaming and downloads are not. Streaming, you're not, you don't, it, it just comes in. And as long as you have a connection, that's its limitation. But once they can eliminate those limitations and the quality meets the physical, now you're going to stop pointing fingers like, what the hell are we doing with physical? This thing is so antiquated. Look at what I can get here. On demand, boom, boom, boom. My whole library is right here. Bah, bah, bah. I don't have to get up. You do. It's boom, dead. And I think that's coming faster than we even thought it would. And I say five years. I was thinking 10. I think it's coming five and they're doing one last big push on it to get us to all buy it and get into it. And then all of a sudden, they're going to hit us with another upgrade. And wow, look at how good this looks. I mean, look, it happened with Laserdisc. It happened with DVD. It happened with Blu-ray. Now we got 4Ks and they want you to buy it all. Hey, and don't be afraid of it. Be excited because usually when something dies, it got replaced by something better. So don't be afraid of it. I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying it as like, this is good. And I'm saying it based on watching what has happened over the last 30 years when I've been doing it and watching things go away. And, oh, well, my laser disc collection is now collecting dust. But look at how good DVD is. And that was a literal sideward step. It was just a smaller disc. If you've been in laser disc for years, I'm like, I really don't see that big of a difference because it wasn't one. But then Blu-ray was because we had HD. And then 4K was. So, you see, there's improvements and they're always trying to improve just like us. Uh, all right, we got a few more here before my voice goes completely. Hi, DJ and team. DJ, when you download movies to your Kscape, do you download both the HDR, UHD, or do you download the highest gigabit? I would like to know your opinion, please. Once, congratulations to you and the fellas. Uh, that's LBMWM3 on YouTube. Uh, yes, uh, I replied to him, um, on YouTube as well as I download only the highest quality possible. So if it's in 4k HDR, I get the 4k HDR. If the highest quality is 4k UHD, uh, like the latest, uh, Taylor Swift video, the Taylor Swift movie, um, that's for rent. I rented that. It's only in UHD looks really, really good. I've watched a bunch of UHD stuff and I thought it was HDR. So, and then I, I'll be on the show <laughs> in the live stream. People be like, that's only in UHD. And I'm like, oh, it is. Look at that. It looked fantastic. Um, it's so, and it does. Stuff looks really, really good. Uh, but yes, I always download the highest possible quality, 4K HDR. Uh, if it's Blu-ray only, I do download that. Um, 
And the highest gigabit actually doesn't mean anything. I don't know what it is. And we've asked many people, sometimes the UHD actually has a higher download, a higher gigabit, uh, than the HDR. And it's only by a few, like one, it'll be like 81.5 gigabits for, um, for HDR. And then it'll be like 80, 83.2 for the UHD version. And you're like, what's the difference? Cause you would think it would be less, but I don't know. And nobody's given us a, an answer. Uh, I even asked Kaleidoscape when they were on here. Uh, did it, oh, here it is. Uh, Ben Hayen, 1838, 2023 was one of the worst years ever for movies making money. Yes, Miss Mission Impossible lost money. Okay. Not making fun of you, buddy, Ben. Um, what's the point? Does it change anything? <laughs> it's like, I know we're getting the next one anyways. Uh, what does that mean? <laughs> How does that affect my enjoyment of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning or any movie for that matter? So, uh, and then we get into, uh, Merry Christmas, DJ and a family. That's a PK and, uh, <laughs> Blue Wave says, damn it, DJ, you're going to make me watch this today. I don't make you do anything, Blue Wave. Uh, yeah, the fifth annual Die Hard, a Christmas tradition video that came out on uh, Christmas Eve day. Um, thank you to everybody that made comments. Um, Steve at has a comment. It says, uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, I got a bunch of comments from emails from people as well. Thanking me for that. Um, but yeah, here's a longer one. Steve at says, Merry Christmas, DJ and boys. Okay. I finally broke down this movie and watched Die Hard. I don't know if I ever saw it on other than broadcast TV. So the number of F-bombs was a revelation. <laughs> it was the 80s. Um, I did watch it in my secondary system, 312, but I rewatched the last few chapters downstairs in my 724 to appreciate the difference. I don't think I have sat through the whole movie in 20 years. It was fun, and with all of the Christmas references, no doubt it is a proper movie for this time of year. But I did watch Home Alone yesterday. Can I squeeze in Violent Night? Maybe too much football today for that, but Islanders are off until Wednesday night. Enjoy the holidays. Uh, thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, Die Hard, definitely, Steve. Do the whole movie. Next year at Christmas time, do the whole movie in, in your, in your 724 system with your 724 system. And, uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. It, it is a really good, the 4K, um, version of that is a really good disc. Um, I got the not, I think my wife got me that one year for Christmas. I think I, maybe I bought it. I can't remember that one. Um, but I have the Nakatomi Plaza edition. So I have the statue. It was, it's behind us in the video. You could see it up on my, uh, if you look on, over my left shoulder, you'll see the bottom of it on the shelf behind me in the video. Um, I love that movie. But yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad people are enjoying that. I love doing that with, uh, with my, I've done it the first four years. I did it with my son. Um, and then this year I brought my son-in-law Greg in. So we're going to do it every year. The three of us sit down and talk. That's our, our family time. And it is our tradition. Uh, it is our family tradition now, um, has been mine for years. My son and I have done that every year for many years, even before I had a podcast. So, um, that is it. That's all the great way to end it too. Um, a couple of rants in there. Hope everybody had fun. Thank you. If you're still listening, uh, it's been almost three, two hours. 
Uh, and I am losing my voice. So see, I could talk 25 hours with people and not lose my voice because other people talk. But when you go two hours straight, no editing here. <laughs> just This is me going, just trying to get it done so I can get back to some uh, Christmas stuff. Um, talking two hours, talking with you guys. So much fun. Thank you very much. Thank you for a great year. Great 2023. Really looking forward to 2024. Uh, John, Steve, and I will be back Tuesday for the live show on January 2nd. Uh, so I will see everybody then. Um, obviously we are off this week. So no live show this week. No, no podcast on Friday. Um, just this is it. And then, but I, I think you guys can, I'm still podcasting this week. See, I'm here now. So, but yes, thank you everybody. Hope everybody had a great holiday. Hope everybody has a very safe and a happy new year. Um, we will be back in 2024 with our best of 2023. We've all compiled our lists. Uh, I have, I have Steve and I's John's getting his in soon. So that's what we'll be talking about next week on the live show. Really looking forward to that. I think you guys are going to have fun with that best top 10 home theater experiences of 2023. So uh, looking forward to that. So thank you again, everybody. So much fun. Uh, great 2023. 2024 is going to be amazing too. We all, I mean, I can't wait for 2024. <laughs> we all know why. So um, thank you very much. Have a great week. Uh, until I see you next Tuesday, uh, you know what you got to do. Uh, where's the button? There it is. Go push play. What he said. That's right. Hey, Fred. This has been a Hey Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.